What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have guest Rich Sedai, who's an entrepreneur and a chiropractor. What's up, brother? Welcome to the show. What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Dude, anytime. So I think in this case, the best place to start is in the beginning. I'm I'm really interested in entrepreneurs and, you know, kind of the journey they go through. And it's been a while since we, we've interviewed a business guy. And so I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I, these are some of my favorite interviews. So if you kind of let us know how you got interested in chiropractic, chiropractic medicine and also kind of how you ended up coming up with this business idea and also let the listeners know what that is. But I, I kind of want to get a sense of the beginning. Is this something that started when you were a child or is this something that was just kind of happenstance? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I think, uh, I think I was always a kid that was pretty interested in, um, you know, just, just kind of getting into businesses. Um, you know, when I was younger, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Uh, and when I was younger, you know, I was, you know, four or five, six years old and, you know, running around trying to sell people stuff. Uh, you know, Pokemon cards are big, and I was, you know, collecting whatever holographic cards I could and taking them to my locker and, you know, slinging them out for, you know, a couple hundred bucks here and there through middle school. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, I came up with uh, one, uh, like, lawn mowing service when I was, like, 10, and I called it, like, Rich's Rocket Mowing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> dude, I thought I, was, I thought I was pretty fucking genius, you know? Oh, and, yeah. uh I just went door to door and, uh, you know, I ended up having like a handful of clients and, you know, I just mow their lawn every few weeks until it kind of just fizzled out at the end of the summer. Um, or another time I did a, uh, it's it a little bit younger, probably eight. I did a lemonade stand, but nobody ever, uh, delivered lemonade door to door. So I literally went around and just knocked on my neighbor's doors and I was like, Hey, I got lemonade. It's down the street. I'll deliver it to you. You know, it's 50 cents. And, Whoa. Uh, yeah. So I was, I was always kind of hustling and trying to make a few bucks and like have some fun. And, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, so that's kind of where it started. Uh, and I, I'd say I've kind of carried it on from there. Um, you know, since then I've had, oh, multiple businesses. Uh, I'd say the most significant one in more recent time was, um, a, a lacrosse company that I started back out in 2012 when I first moved to uh, Portland, Oregon from Dallas. So I got a history of playing lacrosse and, uh, you know, me and a buddy just realized that, you know, there's, there's not a whole ton of, uh, you know, select level lacrosse out in Oregon, still small sport. Uh, and so he and I, his name's Nick, he and I started a, uh, a, uh, a company called bridge city lacrosse. And there's really only one other competitive, uh, similar product that I actually thought was, um, it, it was, uh, the quality was lower and the price point was like, three or four times as high. So mm -hmm. like, fuck these guys. Like we can do this better. We have better coaches. We got better players. Um, and so we took that and it was 2012 or 2013, took that with a $6,000 loan from his grandma and, uh, turned it into, you know, a million dollar gross company, uh, you know, a handful of years later before he and I both exited. Um, you know, and so that's kind of carried over into, uh, the world of chiropractic. Um, so, a little bit of background. I never really wanted to be a chiropractor. Um, that wasn't like one of those things you grow up, you know, at least I grew up wanting to be, I actually wanted to be in, uh, an oral surgeon. Um, and so I, uh, you know, going through college, I was working with, you know, an oral surgeon buddy of mine and, um, you know, every surgeon that I met or knew, you know, they just, they were pretty unhappy people. Um, they were always on call. 
uh, they made, you know, stupid money and got to help a lot of people. But, uh, realistically it was, um, you know, they were just, they were pretty upset. He always had back pain. He was on his like third wife. His kids hated him, you know? And, uh, that's unfortunately the story for like a lot of those guys. They're very overworked. Uh, they don't really have a ton of balance. Um, and so I pivoted from, from, uh, you know, I was admitted down into, uh, Baylor down in Dallas, Texas. I was pivoted from that out to here in, in Portland, Oregon. And, um, you know, I was like, Hey, you know, I don't want to be on call. I don't want, you know, my family to hate me. I want to actually have a family. Um, you know, chiropractic makes sense. You know, let's, uh, let's take that and go do something with sports. And, uh, so that's kind of how that road began. That's that's fascinating. <clears throat> I want to kind of get back into it's Bridge City Lacrosse, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. what is it that that company actually did? Were you coaching kids? Were you selling products? Yeah, good question. Um, so we were we were coaching kids. Uh, so we take kids, and I think you know we we started with the demographic that was you know uh, I think third and fourth graders. We started pretty young, taking them, training them, letting them know like the ins and outs of you know fundamentals of playing lacrosse, you know, how to play. Um, and then we carried it all the way through, um, you know, senior year. So you got, you know, 12th graders, seniors, and we would help them get recruited. Uh, that was, that was kind of the end product was take this place. That's so small on the map, Portland, Oregon, you know, not, not a hotbed for lacrosse or recruiting and get these kids into the hands of, you know, college coaches, um, and let them know that like, Hey, like these kids can play. So that was, that was more or less the, the product that we put together. Um, we didn't sell anything per se, other than like a few like dope hats and sweatshirts and stuff. And like, our kids are swagged out, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, yeah, dude, for sure. That is funny. Cause our very first season that we did it, we had, uh, you know, one parent be like, Hey, you guys, you guys are amazing. Like the kids were awesome. They had a great season, but like, uh, you know, we want better swag. And <laughs> Nick and I are looking at each other going, Oh fuck. Like, <laughs> You didn't even think about that. No, you know? no, no. So, yeah, yeah. So that that's that's pretty. It's and how you you exited. So you ended up selling. So congratulations on uh, congratulations on the exit. How were how did you manage to scale uh, your business? Because that's something that I'm obsessing about. I just listened to a, a podcast where uh, a gentleman went back to the like Wharton School of Business for his master's degree because he could not figure out how to scale his business. So how were you able to scale Bridge City Lacrosse? Um, you know, I think scaling a business is actually one of the most difficult things to do. Um, there's not really like any process that I necessarily follow. It's not like a pull out a playbook. Um, I think it's just kind of, you know, you try it and if you fail, you try something different, right? Um, and so for us, you know, we started off with two teams and, you know, a handful of coaches We go, okay, uh, we did two teams this year. Let's try, uh, let's try three next, next spring or next summer, you know? So we do three, you know, you add a coach or so you may be potentially needing to add men here or there. Um, all, all you really do is you go, okay, cool. If I can do it on, you know, with one team or two teams, I would assume that I'm going to need double the resource to do it with four teams. So in order to scale, I think all you do is you take your product and you go, okay, is it working? What do I need to tweak? And now can I get the right personnel in there to double capacity? Right. And so genuinely, like that's kind of how you scale anything, at least in my experience. 
if uh, if that makes sense. No, that does that does make sense. It 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 definitely does. And I think in in the in the your use case or the the business model you have, you know, it's very dependent on human beings, which are that's a that's a variable that. The, number one, it's a, it's a huge expense, but there's a lot of variable because you don't know like the types of quality is of coaches you're going to get. Um, and so, how did you kind of mitigate selecting the right personnel in in order to 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 see the business grow and scale correctly? Yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, when I was coaching, I was also still playing men's league ball, uh, and and so I was always trying to hunt for you know, a good team to play on and, and finally found one. And so I, I kind of lucked out because all the guys I played with, I mean, they're all former division one, division two, II, division three, like really high level club ball guys. Like, um, so I, I literally just went down, you know, my team's roster and I go, who do I think would be a good coach? You know, who do I think can, you know, help us out? You know, let's, let's try it. And, uh, so that, that's kind of how I did it is that that was more or less my avenue to get that good coaching that I needed. Were you doing uh, this business while you were in college for chiropractic? chiropractic uh, yeah, medicine? actually, yeah, <laughs> I was. Um, so I was, I was. My buddies used to joke to me. I'd literally sit in the back of the class and be sitting in anatomy, and on the back of my laptop, talking to some dude in Pakistan about how I still needed forty jerseys to arrive, and where the fuck were they? And you know, so um, yeah, I was kind of you know doing a couple things at once and. Needless to say, my anatomy grades weren't always the best. But <laughs> yeah, I, bet, <laughs> I got through, dude. right? Yeah, yeah so. a- a- absolutely. So, how did you end up exiting this business? At what which which point in time did you end up selling it, and how did how did the offer initially come in? Yeah, I mean, you know, we got to a point where we were grossing pretty good. So, I mean, don't don't think I made a killing off this or anything. Uh, I basically made you know a few summers worth of beer money out of all that effort but learned a lot. Um, you know, I, I think I sold it in 2017 or 2018. I can't remember. Uh, me and my partner, Nick, we essentially teamed up with a couple of our other buddies, uh, that had a similar model that they, um, split off from us initially and started. And we kind of came back together. Um, and so at this point I was starting to get pretty busy in the world of, you know, being a doc and treating patients. And so it was just getting to be a little bit of a headache. So, you know, I, I talked to him about it and Nick was feeling the same way with his job. Uh, he was working at Nike at the time. And so what we did is, you know, we just pitched him, you know, Hey, we want out. Um, you guys are doing a great job taking it down the road. You are like, you guys want to do lacrosse full time, like have it, you know, here's, here's kind of our, you know, stipulation. And, you know, they, they essentially negotiated with us and we were good and we got bought out and Nick and I moved on. Oh, that's fantastic. <clears throat> Does, was yeah. it like, was it all, was it all up front or did, did it, did you end up like having a, like kind of a payment uh, system that you, you'd worked out when you exited? You don't have to talk yeah, about we, it if you don't want to. Uh, no, man. I mean, it wasn't anything crazy. Uh, we got it all up front. And so it was essentially, you know, like a handful of summers with the pay. Uh, and so when we were doing this, we'd probably make, you know, we'd, we'd each pocket about, you know, 10,000 bucks a summer. And so, you know, it was, it was kind of on scale of that where you, you walk away and you go, okay, million dollar grossing business, but your expenses are astronomical. <laughs> so, you know, what's, what's it actually worth? And so, you know, right there is also kind of when I learned uh, a little bit about like valuation of a business and how to take a look at stuff like that. 
That's pretty cool, man. You just learned all of this on the fly just by doing, which I find fucking awesome, dude. That's great. Thanks, man. It's the best way to learn. So you sell that business. You're treating patients. And you have an idea for a business in the in the field that you studied, which is chiropractic medicine. So what what kind of what is the business that you currently are are, are working on or, or doing right now? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I was uh, I initially went into chiropractic care with the intention of never seeing a patient. Believe it or not, um, my best buddy back at home, uh, his name's Jordan. Uh, he played in the NFL. And so my thought was like, all right, I'm out in Portland. I'm going to get my degree. I'll have a doctorate. I'll have a master's in sports medicine. I'll go back and open an athletic performance center. Um, that's kind of, you know, that, that was always my passion anyways with athletics. And about midway through school, I got just fucking hammered by a truck um, that blew a red light as I was making a protected left turn. And it totally changed my life, changed my perspective. And so um, I actually wound up, uh, having a really bad experience with that. Um, I had a, you know, some pretty horrific injuries in my neck and back and, uh, you know, physically it kind of changed me too. Um, and so I ended up uh, getting into the world of motor vehicle accidents. And so my first employer, uh, I met him actually through an orthopedic surgeon buddy of mine that I used to, you know, hang out and party with back in the day. And he's like, Hey, this guy's hiring. You should check him out. Um, and so, it, it was kind of a little bit of a calling to me. Uh, and so I, I worked with him for about three and a half years. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and, and when push came to shove, uh, we had a partnership agreement, more or less, kind of talking about what the next step were, you know, steps were, and, and we just didn't really see eye to eye. Um, so I, uh, I actually went off um, and joined a different company. Uh, and that company is Accident Care Chiropractic. Um, and when I joined them, they only had like six or seven clinics, uh, and that's about three and a half, four years ago. And now we have 18. Um, so I'd say, you know, I'd consider myself a little bit of an entrepreneur, but also like an entrepreneur. Um, cause what I've done over the last four years is, is essentially help scale business. You, you talked about business scaling, like turns out I'm actually pretty okay at it. You know? <coughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's more or less what I've been doing. <clears throat> so you've been helping this. So are you... Like, a, how does this work? You you were hired on, were you hired on just as a doc or were you hired on as like a partner or did you, were you initially hired on as a doc and then uh, made your way to, to become a partner in the clinic? I'm, I'm unfamiliar with this world. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Great question. Um, <clears throat> you know, most, most of the time out of school, you, you get hired on as just like a, a general <clears throat> practitioner, like an associate doc. Um, I initially sat down with one of the partners at Accident Care and uh, told them, you know, hey, you know, I, I want to own my own clinic. I want to be able to uh, do my own thing. And, and I think I can add a lot to it. And he was like, hey, look, you know, I, I don't I don't know if we could do that. Um, but how about a job? You know, I'll, I'll pay you an astronomical amount. And I basically told him, I was like, hey, go fuck your job. You know, I don't want your job, <laughs> you know. And he, he and I still joke about this because we talk about it every so often. Um, but I was like, you know, like I can, I can grow a fucking company. Like I, you know, I'm not looking for a job. What I'm looking for is like some growth. Like I want the journey. I want to establish myself and build something. And, uh, he goes, okay, well you need to talk to my other partner, Alexis. And so I was like, all right, sweet. I can do that. Um, sat down with her, kind of told her the same thing. And so, uh, I was actually brought on as a partner right out of the gates. Um, 
And uh, that was the first and only time that they've ever done that. Uh, and I, you know, the, the compromise essentially was like, okay, Rich, we'll give you your clinic. Um, let's see what you can do. Let's see what you can actually add. You talk a big game, let's see what you can actually add. And uh, so that, that just turned into them being like, oh shit, like you add a lot of clinical value, you know, you know, you, you know how to scale things like, um, you know, and, and uh, things are way more systematically organized. And, you know, in my time there, you know, year over year, I've been able to help the business grow by like 35 to 40%. So, um, you know, and that's, that's in like profitability and, and margins and everything like that. So um, through that, she was kind of like, okay, cool. Like I see your value. You weren't talking shit. Like it's, it's the real deal. Um, let's make you medical director. I want you to go around and essentially take all these clinics that operate one way, which was, you know, nine at the time, 10 at the time at this point. Um, and, uh, I want you to fix them. And so I, I spent kind of the last few years doing that as we've grown. And now any new clinic that we put in runs on my systems and it, you know, it's, it's much cleaner and better than it was. So. Yeah, you've just opened up a can of worms. I've got so many more questions for you. Yeah, dude, hit me. Um, so when you you're initially when you initially get on uh, as a partner, like what is that? What to the to the extent you can talk about it, right? What, sure. S- sort of in broad strokes, what does that agreement look like? Are you taking a pay cut for like equity within this company, um, or do they help you bankroll like the the capital? Do you are they giving you capital to essentially build out your own clinic? And I, I just don't understand how that that all worked. Sure. Um, well, so about the time that I joined Action Care was, um, you know, I told you I'd been in a car crash. It's about the same time I got a uh, a settlement for my car crash, and uh, my car crash was fucking horrific. By the way, my car looked like a toaster when it was done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was bad, and uh, so I ended up getting about thirty five thousand dollars out of that. But for me, at that point, like that was life changing money. Yeah. And so in combination with, you know, the other, you know, 15 or 20 I had saved up, I basically took my entire uh, life savings to that point, put it into this clinic project. And that bought me about a quarter of a, a clinic. Um, you know, clinics are, you know, <coughs> about 300 grand or so to start. And so they got me about, you know, at that time it was 200, but got me about a, quor- a quarter of a clinic. And, uh, you know, I, I got a small salary, but a lot of it was sweat equity in combination with that just hoping and praying and, you know, just telling Alexis, like, Hey, like as long as you guys can get patients through the door, you know, help me do that. Like I'm good. Uh, and so that's kind of how that happened. So the partnership is they, uh, essentially you have your own clinic. They, they're, they're giving you sweat equity and that they'll kind of help float, uh, the, the cost of setting up the other, whatever, let's say 75% or, you know, 60%. <clears throat> Or whatever, yeah, seventy-five percent of the of the cost, and they will help. They helped you with the marketing, correct? Like the they had, I'm assuming, a system that they had in place for marketing and getting patients, or maybe there were certain patients that um, maybe lived closer to the to to their clinic, and then they would kind of roll them into your door. Or did you were you responsible for all the marketing for your first clinic initially? Yeah, so my first clinic was, I think, clinic number eight in their system. Um, the marketing kind of plays on itself because when you already have a, a uh, infrastructure established, you know, people already kind of know about you and know what you do. Um, so I was thankful, you know, and, and uh, that, that I was kind of the beneficiary of that. Um, so essentially, yeah, there's 75% is, hey, 
you know, we have value because we exist already. Uh, we have a marketing presence already. Um, you know, you're going to see patients because of that. Um, you know, and then what was up to me was managing the clinic, you know, turning it into my own and making sure that it ran the way that I wanted it to, to kind of give them a, uh, demonstration of, uh, you know, like proof of concept by comparison to how they were running their other ones. Um, but I mean, I was still out there hustling, you know, I was still out there trying to market, going to doctor's offices, you know, talking with, uh, attorneys, auto body shops, anything that was like kind of pertinent to, uh, motor vehicle um, patients, you know, and, uh, once I got busy enough, um, you know, I, I was in the office more than I was, you know, hitting the pavement. And then once, once that happened, is that when you brought in another doc? Uh, because I, you're, I'm imagining you probably, I don't know how often you treat patients, but I'm assuming you're more of a, the, more of a business guy. I don't know. I'm assuming right now. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. So I started the clinic in 2019 and I exited, um, I started training my replacement in November of that same year. Uh, I started the clinic in July and started training my replacement in November. I fully exited that clinic in February into more of an oversight role, uh, medical director kind of tackling one clinic at a time to flip them. And I'd spend two to three months in every clinic, like trying to get them up to speed and get them to a minimum level of competency of what we do and how we do things. And so I'd say that, you know, I didn't really treat patients uh, beginning February of 2020. And I haven't really since then. The only exception is if I fill in for a doc on a day here or there, or if I am asked to do a, uh, an exam on a patient for an attorney or for an insurance company, then I'll see a patient. <clears throat> Okay. How, how often are you examining, and I want to get back into the business, but how often are, like, do sure. you do exams for attorneys? Um, is that, are you the only person that's qualified to do that? Uh, no, you know, I mean, I think that uh, there are a couple of docs in our organization that would be completely capable and competent. Um, I think the difference is just the number of years of experience and the fact that I've uh, testified um, uh, not like a shit ton, but like testified a good amount, um, and had pretty good success, which is where I'll, I'll get my attorney partners and they'll, they'll typically ask me, Hey, you know, this is, this is a case I could use your help on. Why don't you take a look at this patient? This is just blowing my fucking mind because I just didn't even know this industry existed. <laughs> and why would I? Cause uh, knock on wood, I've never been in a car accident. So it's like, you <laughs> don't know until you know, but like there's, 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 in, there's attorneys and auto body ship and you're all kind of partnered up, right? Like I would assume you have partners that you work with that will, that you guys can feed each other business. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure how it works. It, it seems like it would. So there are, there are laws against things like that. Okay. And so, you know, like what, yes, we all have our preferable, you know, partners, but you know, it would be, it would be illegal for me to steer you and go, Hey Rick, you need to go here, here, and here. Like that's, you know, that's kind of frowned upon. So, but you know, I can make suggestions. Hey, this is, I think this is the best auto body shop in town. Hey, I think this is the best attorney in town. And so I think that when you have mutual respect for one another, that's kind of how the world works. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. The, cream, the cream rises to the top. So get, yeah. kind of getting back into the business. Um, <clears throat> so you're, when you're going into uh, a new clinic and you are getting them 
up to speed on the new processes. How difficult is that? Because that, to me, that seems like that'd be a tough job. One, because there's human beings involved. And number two, because there's probably going to be a lot of resistance. Because in, in a lot of companies that maybe aren't performing the best, you know, a, a lot of people never ask the question, is there a better, why are we doing things the way we're doing? And is there a better way? They just kind of generally, you know, Go, people go through the motion. So how do you turn those types of attitudes around? And how do you get people to really buy into the culture? Yeah, that's. I think that's perpetually the toughest thing, in all honesty, man. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's one clinic I went into uh, of ours that, uh, you know, I went in and I was kind of like, hey, and I, I wasn't as tactful back then, right? This was three years ago. Um, I went in and I was basically like, hey, you Nobody's wearing a collared shirt. Nobody's dressed business casually. You guys all look like a bunch of fucking schmucks. We need to clean up how you dress. Uh, like, you know, hey, bro, you're a doctor. You're supposed to look like one. Take the sweatpants off and put some slacks on, right? And uh, it was not well received. Um, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So, so uh, you know, I had I had one of my partners. He reached out to me. He's like, uh, the entire staff wants to quit. What the fuck did you say? And I was like, I just told him he to dress better, you know? And he's like, okay, then we got to work on your delivery. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think it's it's always the toughest part, man. It's like going in there and going, hey, I know you don't know me. I know you don't know the changes I'm making. I know you've been doing this the same way for 13 years because there's, you know, one of those clinics was around for 13 years already. You know, staff was all um, family to, you know, the, my other partner, Alexis. Like, I'm just some white dude walking in, you know, and, you know, telling them like, hey, we got to change this, this, and this. And go, who the fuck are you, you know? Um, and so it, it's hard, man. So you have to go in there and you have to show them proof of concept and you have to be present and you have to, you know, essentially stand your ground um, and stand your ground in a polite way. Right. Like where you go, hey, look, I know you've done this this way for so long, but hey, let me let's talk about the positives and negatives to this. And let's talk about the positives and negatives to maybe changing this. And so you just become more tactful over time. And so as we've been making these changes and getting everybody on board, it's become an easier task um, for me and for now my regional guys that, that I work with to be able to institute changes because like everybody sees the big picture everybody's vision has kind of shifted. And so, you know, to answer your question about how do you go in there and like ensure that the culture is good? Um, most people are very change averse. They don't want to do that. Um, people don't always want to work hard at one point or another, dude, like you just give them the road and you go, Hey, you know, we're going down this road. You're either on the boat or you're not, you know, if you're off, like, that's fine. We'll see you later. Um, and so there was a little bit of that going on. Um, you know, I don't ever look to fire anyone, neither do my partners. And, and frankly, we didn't lose that many people. Most people were like, oh, I get it. Like, cool. We're on board. Like, yeah, we're gung-ho. Like, we can make these changes. Things will get better. Um, we've seen it in Clackamas. We've seen it in other clinics now. Like, we can do this. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you just – you can't really – you have to impose your will without imposing your will. Um, is kind of the best way I can uh, say it because initially when – when I come out there and from an athletic background, you just, yeah. I mean, Rick, you played, you played ball. Yeah. You know yeah. how it is. Yeah, I do. You know, you can turn around to your teammate and be like, Hey man, you're fucking up. Like yes. get your shit together and let's yes. go. Yes. You can't do that in the workplace. And now is, 
that was initially the attitude I came in with. And like, I realized really fast, like I can't say that to a 21 year old girl, <laughs> right? Like, that. Oh shit. Um, <laughs> so I can see why she hates me. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you, 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 you know, it, it, maybe she was a softball, but you, 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 you think of, think along the lens of an athlete, right. Or, or right. someone that's very competitive. Uh, but that's good for you. It makes you more well-rounded individual to learn different styles of communication. Um, but you know, it's it's also that that thing of culture. Um, it's also important to get people that are going to be a good fit and are 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 ambitious and kind of fit within your vision. You know, and and so you know. That being said, where do you see this going? You started out at nine, eight or nine, eight, but seven. The new open date. And you're at to up to eighteen now. Where do you see this going? Like, do you? How many of these are you trying to to get to? Like, what's the end game? Uh, you know, I, I don't think that there's a number. Um, the the thing that drives, you know, I, I think our company is, you know, again, like I said, I I had a really fucking terrible experience after my car crash. Um, nobody could point me in the right direction. Um, you know, it took six months for them just to take x-rays of my fucking neck to tell me it was broken in two places. Um, you know, and I was at, at a school getting treated, right. And they couldn't even, you know, they, they didn't even take x-rays on time. Every MD I went to, you know, misdiagnosed my injuries. Every chiropractor I went to misdiagnosed my injuries. Every PT was worthless. Like it was just a genuine, just clusterfuck of terrible with nobody being able to alleviate my pain or tell me why I was having it. Um, you know, and so there's a, there's a real lack of knowledge on motor vehicle trauma. And so to answer your question, I just don't want other patients or other people to ever experience what I had to go through. And so I look at it and in most areas, like nobody does things the way that we do, not even close. In fact, I'd say like nobody has, the quality that we do because quality is so high for us. Like that's, that, that's what drives everything. It's like giving the patient the best possible experience because when you do that, everything else falls into place. Um, you know, and so how far is this going to go? Well, I'm, I'm just going to keep going and we're going to keep expanding, um, into areas, um, that could use us. Right. And so like the long and the short to your, you know, question is, is that I'm just going to keep going until, you know, we feel like everybody's actually getting good care. Oh, that's awesome, man. So I'm, I'm assuming you, you'd want to put these these clinics in. What? That's a better question. What decision matrixes do you use to when you're going to open up a new clinic? Like, what are some of the guidelines that you have in place? I'm assuming it's got to be kind of a high population density. Or, yeah, what's the criteria for that? Uh... You know, it can be as simple as like, hey, man, I just drove through that town. I didn't I saw one chiropractor and it didn't look like he treated auto injuries. You know, let's look at that. It could be as simple as that, you know, where we've we've done that. We have one in McMinnville that was kind of like that. It doesn't meet any of the criteria that we would normally put a clinic in, but that's been successful. Um, you know, realistically, you're right. You do have to have some type of population density, um, typically like a city the size of like I don't know, uh, yeah, Tualatin, 
you know, Tiger, like those kind of suburban hundred thousand plus population, like that's where you, you, you know, you can put a clinic and know that you're going to get enough business, um, to keep the doors open. Um, aside from that, it's, it's really looking at it and going, um, you know, how many other people do what we do? Uh, okay. If there are a few, like how good are they? Like, let's do a little background. You know, if this is already served by an area, you know, an, an area where somebody's doing the right thing and doing a good job at it, like, great, cool. Maybe that's not where we need to be. Um, but, uh, I mean, more or less, I don't, at the same time, like, I don't, I don't believe in, um, oversaturation. A lot of people talk about, oh, there's, you know, there's oversaturation. And I think that's bullshit because if you're better, people are going to find you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that answers your question necessarily, but realistically, we just kind of take a look and, and see what we think. You're just fucking taking swings all the time. There is no, like, you're not methodically <laughs> looking at what, no, that makes sense though. I mean, yeah. it's still, it's still, it's still young and growing. So why not? Right. Uh, right. I think, I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make is sometimes people think too much. Um, you know, I think if anything, my, my, what I'm guilty of is not thinking enough. Like, we just keep fucking plugging away at this podcast, man. We just keep going. We got, you know, and, and, but that's part of the beauty of it. We're figuring out what, you know, what the podcast is. We we interview tons of different types of people and it's fun. And, um, if we would have still been in the, in a phase of contemplating and, trying to cherry pick people, we wouldn't be nearly as far as we were. So I, you know, I can relate to you in that sense. Just find yeah. a place, good population. Oh, this, this, this has one chiropractic center in this town. Fuck it. We're, we're going in here. They don't, they don't do accident uh, care. We're, we're in. Let's, let's see what happens. That's great. How do, I mean, how are you finding, how are, what's the, do you have a special training processes for the docs that you bring on and what's how long what's your what is your onboarding that that to me is something uh that's incredibly important um i've worked for companies where i wasn't onboarded at all i wasn't trained i just was like i was trained for a few days and it was like let's right figure it out and i don't think that that sets uh employees up for the the, the maximum amount of success um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, um, are you in charge of the onboarding process for new docs? Yeah, actually I am. Um, and most, most, you know, you talk about like kind of getting thrown in the mix and I'm sure they go, Oh yeah. Hey Rick, don't sweat it. Like we're going to get you trained up and you're going to be awesome. And then you get there and they're like, all right, here's your computer. Good luck. And you're like, what the fuck? Right. Um, that, that, I think that happens in just about every industry. Uh, way more often than uh, people realize or people would like to admit. Um, and, and same with, with ours. Like before I got to accident care, like don't get me wrong, they were fine. Um, but literally their their methodology was like, hey, all right, you're a chiropractor. Go be a chiropractor. See you later. You know, call me if you have any issues. And that's, that's just not the right way to go about things. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I took it over and, and essentially our, our training process now is several months um you know it's it's months of like getting people up to snuff in terms of like understanding insurance in terms of understanding crash reconstruction and biomechanics and um you know actual injuries and and and, and proper diagnostics and methodologies and exam flows um we cover all that stuff with our new docs um and that actually is throughout a course of like 
observation, then getting your hands on patients and then kind of being allowed to kind of do your thing. Um, and they have perpetual and constant oversight, um, from, you know, regional guys, uh, as well as like, uh, you know, a, 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 an internal dialogue (laughs) amongst all the docs too. That's, that's done through, uh, like a, like a group chat app. So that's sweet, man. You, this is, it's very interesting. You know, I've, we've known each other for a few years now and yeah. uh, I, do, I don't know this side of you. I know the fun party, Rich. So it's, it's good. To, it's, it's good. To, it's, it's, it's interesting to, 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 to meet that, to learn about this side of you. That's very process oriented. That's definitely not necessarily uh, a strength of mine. So it's, I'm, I'm learning a lot from, from this conversation. Do you, do you happen to have any other side projects that you're currently working on? You strike me as a person that has always got something cooking. Yeah, man. I, th- I think I'm always scheming. In fact, I, I texted one of my lawyer buddies today. I said, hey man, are you around this week? He's like, what, you know, what are you scheming now? <laughs> you know? And, uh, I'd say that's like, that's pretty, pretty on the nose. Um, you know, I, I have a couple other things that, uh, I'm looking at doing, um, you know, but, uh, nothing that I can necessarily share, you know, at this point, um, you know, it's, it has to do with, you know, just integration of what we already have in place, um, and seeing how we can, uh, you know, maybe scale or do things a little bit better. Um, yeah, no other, you know, I'm trying to think, I don't think I have any other like offshoot side projects aside from stuff that would be related. Um, but no, no, uh, I'm not gonna, Go back to like Rich's rocket mowing or anything. Or <laughs> I just, it sounds, when I hear all about all the standardization, it makes me think that you're like building some sort of, at some point, maybe you have some sort of franchise with this. That's, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. You know, I, I think there, there are positives and negatives to franchising, right? Um, there's actually another chiropractic company that, um, in my opinion, is total shit. Uh, and they're out here too. And they're, they're built more like a franchise. Um, there's actually a couple of them. It's just really hard to uphold a, uh, a minimum quality standard unless you're on top of it all the time. You know, the other thing too, is like you get into, you know, a franchise situation and, uh, a lot of times you can, you know, somebody with money can buy it, right? Like obviously you can vet them and whatnot, but, uh, I, I think that that external growth, you know, in the long run actually hinders, um, the brand. Uh, rather than growing it. So I, I'd much rather take people from inside and, you know, help them expand with us. So uh, that, okay. Not necessarily in a franchise model. So wouldn't that essentially be like a, to my knowledge, it'd be like the Dutch bro model where you have to work there for, I don't know how long. And in order to open up, in, in order to open up your own Dutch bros, you must work at Dutch bros. Uh, Chick-fil-A is a super interesting franchise i've looked at i don't even know i don't think anybody fucking knows how you get selected uh to open up a chick-fil-a but um that i mean shit if i could i definitely would i I love chick-fil-a man me too man (laughs) but they're uh they're great they're all over the place in texas and now we've got a couple out here and they're just rocking yeah there's that there's what is it tex-mex what's the other one that i've no no tex-mex is a food there's What's the, there's another franchise in Texas. I can't, it's been a while since I've been back there. I don't know, man. My favorite one that I always hit and I plan to hit next week when I go back is Whataburger. Whataburger. Yeah, dude. It's legit. Honey butter, honey butter, uh, uh, chicken biscuit. Mm. Sign me up all day. 
Dog, I've had it. You know, you know, I wish we had Waffle Houses out here too. <laughs> Fucking love That's, Waffle House, dude. Yeah, dude. It's uh, they're like they're kind of like a just just enough grimy, but still not super sketchy to, you know, I yeah, I could eat there. Let's put it that way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can eat. <laughs> no, I love. I mean, I I fucking love fast food. It's it's one of my. I don't eat. I don't really. Gen, I don't eat it that much. Um, but man, when I do, yeah, it's for sure, it. man. It's it's the best. You, you, you. If if I had it my way, I'd weigh six hundred pounds, man. I drink beer every night, and eat a bunch of fast food, but I'm I'm trying to live a long and and healthy lifestyle, so I'm, I gotta I gotta I gotta tone it down a little bit. <clears throat> Yeah, there's quality and then there's longevity, right? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yes, that's that's the truth, man. That's the truth. So, out of all, do you enjoy what you do? Um, <clears throat> you know, it's funny. I I uh, I just interviewed a guy the other day that's coming on as a doc for us, and uh, you know, we at the end of every interview, you go, "All right, hey, like, do you have any questions for us?" And this was the first time I ever got it. And he, he turned to me and my partners. He's like why shouldn't I join accident care? You know? And I'm like, fuck, like, I don't know. I've never been asked that. And like my gut response is like, I can't give you a reason. Like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like I love. Um, and so to answer your question, like, yeah, I love what I do. Um, you know, I, I used to have a beautiful head of hair when I started and now I'm clearly very bald, but (laughs) so I, I think there's, there's definitely some stress attached to it. But, um, for me, I love it because I get to help people, um, that were in my similar situation, only they're not getting fucked over by the insurance company. Like I was getting, you know, they're not getting screwed over on care. Like I was, um, you know, they're getting everything to help get them better and help, you know, them come out the end, you know, made as complete and whole as possible. And then, you know, that's the clinical side, obviously, but the business side is like, cool. Like I have a high risk tolerance. My partners have a high risk tolerance. And so pretty much anything we dream, we have the ability to do. And so I really appreciate that a lot. So yeah, man, I fucking love what I do. So the the accident really that was the catalyst that started you on this journey, like one hundred percent. Or was it? It's it's. It, I find that super super interesting. You know, it it opens up a, a deeper question. Like, you know, in in your opinion, do you think it was fate that that truck hit you? Oh man, fuck dude. I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know about fate in that regard, but, um, it's definitely been a catalyst as to like me getting into this industry. I never would have touched it if it wasn't for that. I would have gone down the sports route and been just like every other chiropractor and be like, Oh yeah, let me work on your shoulder for a couple of minutes. Great. See you in six months. You know, like it's, it's just not, you know, this is the only industry where you can take somebody that's totally broken and repair them. You know, it's just not the same in, in, you know, our medical field, um, you know, with other stuff, you know, simple wellness care. Like I'd be, be out of my fucking mind. I'd be driven just totally fucking crazy. Yeah. You'd be, you'd be mad. That, that's another thing I, I've, I, um, I actually dated a chiropractor um, for a time, and yeah, I think I remember you telling me. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Everybody was going into sports medicine so like to hear that you found a different path is there's not i mean how many paths are there for the young docs graduating there's sports medicine obviously we have the accident care now that i learned about but what what's where are some other pathways people can go you know you can do you can do uh sports medicine you can do wellness care 
Um, you can do like straight up physical therapy and rehab, uh, or you can kind of do accidents. Um, I'd say those are your major avenues. Um, yeah, wellness care is fucking annoying. Hey, I just want to be adjusted. And then you can you go and you adjust 60 people a day. It's stupid. Um, in my opinion, right? Like you're just, you're using, it's like, it's like going to a house as a, as a contractor and being like, well, yeah, cool. You gotta, you gotta do all this work, but, uh, I'm just going to hammer every nail and, uh, I'll see you later. You know, it's, it's, it's silly, you know, and just carrying everything else around you and never using it. Um, yeah, rehab gets, it's kind of repetitive to me. You know, you're spending 30 minutes with a patient and most patients aren't compliant with exercise. Most patients are out of shape. Um, you know, it's like, you're, you're hitting your head on a wall most of the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean the, the sports stuff, like, you know, it's, you're just dealing with sports injuries and athletes. Usually they're pretty compliant and pretty good, but it's, it's really hard to build a practice in what we do off of that. Uh, especially cause private insurance is, you know, they, uh, they tend to really dick us around. Um, you know, and so it's, it's just tough. You know, you have to be, you have to be seeing like extreme volume to make that work. And that's, you know, again, when you're seeing extreme volume, quality of care goes down too. Yeah. Yeah. No, so. that's you're, you're, you're a hundred percent right. And then, you know, with the, with the accident, you know, you're, I'm assuming that insurance would be much more compliant um, as opposed to some of the other fields. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's just a different beast. They're, they're two completely separate types of insurance. Um, one is motor vehicle insurance and the other is private insurance and they, they just operate differently, but overall motor vehicles a little bit easier to deal with, but, um, you know, there can be some pretty big pitfalls that, you know, private insurance doesn't have. Okay. That's, that's what are some of those pitfalls? I'm very ignorant to all of this. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into every crash case. And so Part of the other reason why I like doing this is like there's a uh, there's a medical legal component to every <clears throat> car crash, right? And so you have two sides to every case. And so like when we see a patient, we're technically on the plaintiff side when you look at it from a legal side, right? Like if you were in a car crash, Rick, you know, and you were my patient, um, I would be representing you if you went to court. Um, you know, I would be your uh, you know your your medical expert potentially, and. You know, so I'm trying to do everything in my power to establish the fact that you have injuries and you're injured as a result of the crash and you're going to have, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, potentially lifelong needs for care. I have to prove that. Um, on the insurance side of things, they kind of take the opposite standpoint and they go, well, here are the factors that would determine that, you know, Rick wasn't as hurt as you're saying he is. So we don't owe Rick anything, you know, we'll give him, you know, a few thousand dollars for the care and thousand dollars you know as a check for pain and suffering and he can go fuck off and so you know and that happens all the time um and so like what we do really well is we harness that medical legal aspect to ensure that you know not only do you get all the care you need you know whether you need surgery or whatever it may be just chiro care just pt but you walk away with a grip of cash too because insurance companies man they are not your fucking friend they are these big conglomerates that take all of your premiums and they throw them into this big pot that just, you know, that's in the stock market that all they do is they try to capitalize on that 10% gain every year, right? And so they're doing their best to hold on to their money because it just continues to make them money. So if they can screw you out of even five grand, you know, they win, right? And so 
I like making sure that, you know, every patient gets exactly what they need. Yeah, that's a that's a dirty dirty secret of the insurance companies. I always find it funny when like a hurricane will ravage areas and whatnot, and then you'll have certain insurance companies will just go uh, belly up because maybe they were over leveraged. <clears throat> That's that shit happens all the time, man. It's probably to a much less degree. Um, uh, I would assume with with car car insurance, um, you know, especially if you, you can get it through credit unions and whatnot. But I'm not an expert, but, uh, uh, yeah. but you might be a good person. Where what are the uh, best insurances uh, would that you would recommend people get to to insure their cars that aren't going to fuck you over? Uh, you know, it it kind of actually there's this weird like ebb and flow. Um, I'd say, you know, some of the insurance companies that won't dick you over as much is, uh, you know, historically State Farm's been a little better than others. Uh, they also have better policies. Um, so um, they're good. Chubb is another one, but they're like super high end, high premium, but you get what you pay for. Um, well, I can probably tell you ones to avoid more so. Oh, yeah. Tell the us. Ones, tell us. Yeah, the, the ones that you see that it's like insurance and like root and Metro Mile and all these fucking <coughs> cheap ass ones that you see these stupid commercials for, like those are the ones you want to avoid. Like Geico historically isn't that great. Progressive historically isn't that great. You know, like, hey dude, I'm insured with Geico, you know, and, and I, I've had a pretty good experience, but like, you know, across the board they're they're usually they're usually not that great. Uh they just they're reluctant to you know pay for injuries and cars and all that type of stuff so if if you're at fault but if the other insurance company's at fault like let's say like when that guy hit you it was his insurance paying for all your medical um bills and and treatments and stuff correct no actually um you know we're we're in the state of oregon uh, and, uh, Washington kind of works a little bit similarly, but in the state of Oregon, um, every car insurance policy has a, uh, mandated vi- minimum of $15,000 worth of personal injury protection. And so what that means is like, you know, if you hit me and I have Geico and you have state farm, right? Like technically you're the third party. My, my Geico policy is going to pay for at least $15,000 of medical care. Um, I actually have, you know, way more than that on my policy because of my past. And I'd recommend that anybody that's in the state of Oregon and watching this, like you should have at least $25,000 in PIP because medical care is expensive regardless of where you go. Um, and it takes a lot more than the 15 allotted to get better. Um, physical injuries require a long time to heal. Um, but you know, so that would actually cover my care directly. And so what happens is my insurance company or my attorney, which because I'm not at fault, I would want an attorney. My attorney is going to turn around and sue your insurance company for whatever policy limits you have and then turn around and sue mine. Um, and that's actually like how it should be done. Um, and so that money that's on, on your policy is technically allotted to me, uh, given my injuries being severe enough, it's allotted to me um, to help make me whole and help cover any outstanding meds. Same thing with my own policy. There's a coverage on there called UMUIM, and that's just uninsured or underinsured motorist coverage. Um, in this case, let's say your policy is a, a low limit policy, you'd be considered underinsured for my injuries. 
And so I can tap in with my attorney to that UM, UIM policy and recoup whatever, you know, is available to me. Again, you know, you have this burden of proof. You have to prove that the injuries are worth all the money that you're being allocated, but that's essentially how it works. So, and I can get into the weeds in this, you know, all day, but don't let me steer it that direction. Well, I won't, but <clears throat> you should, uh, you should start a YouTube channel and dig into this a lot. I, you know, I, uh, there I is watch no, there, I don't think I have, I mean, I'm not in the chiropractic, uh, fucking algorithm, but to me, yeah. I don't think a lot of people are talking about this. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I think that there's, you know, I, I just, yeah, it, I just don't know the niche, man. You know, um, I, the, the chiropractors that I see on YouTube are the ones that are like massive pops on a neck crack and no. it's got like 10 million views, you know? No, but that's, that's not you. You, you, no, there's a whole, there's a whole, you have to think about it. How many fucking people get into a car accident and they are scared and they don't know what the fuck's going on? And you could just, you just, a YouTube short, like, hey, I know you're scared. I've been there. Uh, this is what you need to do. This is step one. This is what you need to do. Like, this is how you work with insurance companies. Like, you should definitely put that shit online, you know, loop that back to your clinic. But because shit, there's people on YouTube that are they're talking about Amazon fulfillment. They're talking about credit card the trap credit card hacks and whatnot. Um, how to do it? What uh, what you're if you get like a American Express all the they read all the paperwork and kind of list what what benefits you get and whatnot. You could do the same for insurance. That's a very that's a niche for sure, and it is information that you might not care to know but when you fucking need to understand it it's it's right there you don't, you've got an expert it's not a bad not a bad uh, idea yeah i might uh, i might tap into that that's not a bad idea there rick you definitely should i didn't know any of this stuff dude and i was like <laughs> what? what this is mind-boggling everyone's yeah. and everyone and dude every single person is required to have car insurance in this country so your yeah. market is limitless. Like in your tagline, be subscribe if you if you have if you're le if you have car insurance. This is important. <laughs> you need to know this, so you should fucking subscribe, bitch. Yeah. Don't don't maybe throw that. Bitch. Don't throw that. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't throw that last part in. But yeah. Well, listen, man. Um, I really appreciate you you coming on the pod. Uh, and it was really. I'm fired up. You got to do this YouTube thing, uh, but I'm, I'm fired up, and uh, I, I really appreciate you sharing the story. And uh, where could you? Does, you, does the clinic have an Instagram? Where can people find uh, if they're in need of care? Please point the good people to where you are. Yeah, man. Um, you know, so uh, uh, the, the clinics are my clinics are Accident Care Chiropractic and Massage. Uh, it's just AccidentCareChiropractic.com. Uh, I think we have an Instagram that's the same thing, Accident Care Chiropractic, um, you know, and uh, yeah, you can find me there. Or, uh, you can always, if you ever have any questions, you can shoot me an email. Uh, you know, it's just my name, rich.sedi at gmail.com. And then I got dogs at the bar coming back. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're um, good, man. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, hit me up. Um, I'm here to answer any questions. And yeah, I, I want to thank you guys uh, for having me on. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm I'm glad to be here and glad to share knowledge and and uh, hopefully you feel like uh, you know I I was able to give you something that uh, is good for you and and your listeners and your viewers and 
this is this is great man i i really appreciate it absolutely dude well listen if you guys like what you heard please go ahead and like and subscribe to the channel uh that helps us grow and also please leave us a review we read every one of your reviews and we appreciate it we love you guys happy holidays merry christmas happy hanukkah all that jazz we love you we'll see you next week peace